Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today I'm sitting down with Matt Bray, who's the founder of Art Disrupt, but he's also the creative director at Comms Declare, an organisation of advertising, marketing, PR and media professionals who understand the power of communications to create a cleaner, safer climate. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Darren. Lovely to be here. Matt, uh, you know, you've got uh, fingers in quite a few pies. Uh, you know, there's Art Disrupt, which is your own uh, creative business. And, and I know, well, what are some of the things that you do with Art Disrupt? Well, Art Disrupt was born from a need to kind of get involved in the climate conversation. Uh, and it's also an avenue to have some fun when we're trying to communicate a rather important uh, problem, you know, that that has been for the most part ignored. So we will just take on creative projects uh, if we feel there's some juice in them, that they're interesting and they are basically disruptive. Uh, That's what we need more of. So we have done projects like producing uh, playing cards that have that point the finger at the agencies and fossil fuel industry uh, relationships. We've done little game pop-up games that point the finger at the current government to say that they're doing some pretty, uh, they have a terrible record in the climate space. So we look for those kind of things, interesting, disruptive, creative projects, basically. And where, you know, because obviously you've been a creative person in the industry, you've had uh, t- jobs on uh, client side in-house, you've had, worked at numerous agencies. Where for you was that sort of awakening of the idea of bringing creativity to help solve the climate crisis? The, the awakening really was at the end of 2019. <clears throat> The Extinction Rebellion were really quite noisy uh, around that time. Uh, Greta Thunberg was making headlines and it started to get me curious as to the actual scale of the climate emergency. I've always been aware that the climate's not heading in a really good direction, but it didn't necessarily affect me. Uh, But then just getting a feel for the information out there, I thought, this is actually really quite big. This needs attention. And you're not hearing enough noise about it. So I looked for a way to get involved. And what solidified that was the Black Summer bushfires. They were just devastating. And that that made me think, I've, I've got to be in here. I've got to see where I can use my skills that I've developed in advertising to communicate uh, the change required to try and turn this ship around. And what do you think it is about, you know, the creative process and creative thinking that's really going to 
to bring this forward. Because, look, I have to say there are so many groups out there all professing to be, you know, talking about lobbying, working towards bringing about uh, a, a climate action. What is it about creativity? Because I have noticed there's a few groups around the world that, of creative people, you know, like uh, Extinction Rebellion, that have really started to champion this. Yeah, I think really at the core, uh, the climate crisis is a communications challenge. And that's where the advertising industry, it's, it's becoming more and more clear that the advertising industry is on the wrong side of the conversation. Uh, when you need people's support to, to make the changes you need, when it's govern, govern, governmental or whatever, uh, if people don't understand the scale of the pro product, uh, sorry, uh, of the problem, they need guidance to try and get the, you know, get the wheels turning to make that change happen. Uh, and advertising is really doing itself a disservice by being on the wrong side of that conversation. Yeah, uh, you know, I know that uh, one of the actions that uh, Comms Declare has, has done was a survey of the uh, the marketplace and starting to identify the agencies that were working with fossil fuel clients. Now, yeah, what, what do you see as the issue here about agencies continuing to work for fossil fuel clients? Because I know there are people in the industry that say if it's legal to sell it, it's legal to advertise it. Well, that's the same, basically the same conversation that the tobacco industry had, had banked on until, you know, it was turned around to say, well, no, this is ha hazardous to our health. We need, you can't keep letting people believe that it's okay for that to use that product. It, it's exactly the same with the advertising industry. And to say that you you bring skills to the conversation to help kind of give some accountability to to that industry it's really you're telling porkies because at the core of it there's a lot of money to be made when you're manipulating the conversation in the favor of the fossil fuel industry there's no way you can turn that around to say well now we're partnering to, to try and make them do better uh, that's very disingenuous. Yeah. Well, uh, and I have read, I think it was in uh, in the UK, there, this debate had been going on about six months ago, you know, the, the side that was saying, well, we should work with fossil fuel clients. We should embrace them and, and help them and educate them about what greenwashing looks like. And then others saying, well, no, uh, to your point, you know, c creativity in communications can make it incredibly powerful. You know, how could we possibly bring that power to help miscommunicate to the general public? Well, yeah, it's like really the only thing that we, that could be offered to the fossil fuel industry is access to services to help them transition out. And that's not a communications challenge. That's, a, you know, an engineering challenge. It's a, it's a business challenge. And... There's no purpose for them to then be saying, well, we need advertising and PR as part of that journey. It's just like, how do we get out of fossil fuels? It, 
the science says we need to do it. Uh, and that's the focus. So if, if the fossil fuel industry needs resources from anywhere, it's the skills and knowledge to help them basically get, get out of their business. Uh, they've ha had the lion's share of the resources of the world for so long. Uh, and now that gated community, there's people knocking at the gate saying enough is enough. Okay, well, let's look at uh, some of the things that uh, Comms to Clare have been doing. So what, what are some of the activities that uh, you've been most proud of? Comms to Clare started, we were quite open with trying to have conversations within the advertising community. And we found that we were having good conversations with the smaller players, like independent agencies. They're not tied to multinationals, so they... they are in a uh, position to where they can declare. Uh, but then we found when we, we started to build our voice that really the, the big boys just weren't, they weren't opening the door at all. Uh, so we found we needed to shift. We needed to agitate a bit. And really the highlight, one of the early highlights for me was when we put out our industry report last year and an opinion piece turned up in the Australian Financial Review from an agency head that was saying, basically, you should stop pointing your finger at us. We should be at the table. And that was a good, like a, a point where we thought, okay, we're now, we're on the playing field and we can make some moves. So that was one of the highlights. That is uh, where the tipping point comes, where the people that you're trying to influence actually publicly acknowledge your existence, isn't it? I think it was quite, and I wonder if he, in hindsight it was a mis, misstep on their part because for the most part we've been ignored for the best part of a year and a half and I think that frustration that got them to produce, to write that piece I think that was a as a bad chess move on on their behalf. It kind of emboldened us to think we're on the right track and we we kept moving forward. Now it's not just Comms Declare, is it? You've actually been collaborating with uh, other creative bodies. I know uh, Clean Creatives is uh, another group that uh, you're collaborating with. Clean Creatives are great. They're basically the uh, American equivalent of Comms Declare. They had been around a little bit longer than Comms Declare. Um, and Belinda, the founder of Comms Declare, had reached out to Clean Creators. We'd started conversations. Uh, and the good thing in this space is everybody wants everybody else to succeed. So we've been sharing resources, swapping notes, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's been great to be able to know that this movement isn't... Uh, people working in silos, even though we're still kind of, it's very scattered because of the urgency, everybody's trying to move so fast and not necessarily always aligned, but clean creators have been very great to work with. And another community that I'm quite heavily involved with, um, Creators for Climate as well, which is purely creatives talking about how they're, they're working in their own space. These communities have just been such a lifeline for me to feel that I'm, these, this is my tribe now. I can communicate to these people across the globe and we all have that common goal to uh, turn this around. 
And is there any plans to extend that collaboration? I mean, I imagine there's probably uh, creative organisations around the world that are all looking at how they can influence the uh, climate crisis. Yes, we, we are always on lookout for who's doing what, who we might be able to learn from and we'll reach out and who can we help uh, share resources and amplify each other's voices. So it, it's such a really nice community to be involved with because we, we're so collaborative and open, uh, which is nice to see. It's very rare, especially in advertising and communications when everything's protected and, you know, ideas are the, the ownership of, of one entity, whereas it's not the case uh, we're finding pretty much across the board. Now, you mentioned before that some of the big agencies were incredibly resistant uh, to you know, embracing this idea. I'm sure they were open to the concept at, at one level because almost every network agency and every holding company will point towards their 80-page uh, manifesto about how, what they're doing for, uh, to contribute to solving the climate crisis. I, I think, and it's quite cynical, I suppose, but I feel we're seeing a new level of greenwashing where the greenwashers are greenwashing their services so that they can continue to work with the fossil fuel industry because there's still so much money there. So they need to put a really nice looking like varnish on, on their work while they're still behind closed doors, are still communicating for the wrong people. So I'm not surprised at all that we're still having, not having a lot of luck with any of the, the big agencies yet. Uh, but there are some people that are in conversations with us, which is good. Uh, it's whether they, that goes anywhere, whether they have the, the will within their agency to make it move, uh, we've yet to see. Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, Bill Bernbach quote, you know, from uh, DDB. He said, a principle is only a principle when it costs you money. You know, perhaps the easiest thing in the world is to say, yes, we're all here to take climate action unless it costs us money, in which case uh, it'll have to be the next person. Absolutely. And there's just so much money there. So I can, un I definitely understand understand the point of view they have that greed is just in control and we've got to try and fight that because it this crisis is kind of accelerating at, at a pace that I, even shocks me even though i'm kind of quite across what is going on globally mm. i um i was have on that issue of greed i was having a conversation with a um an investment fund manager who said, uh, you know, I was explaining how I decarbonised my uh, small self-managed super fund. And he looked at me and told me I was an idiot because uh, there's so much money to be made between now and uh, 2050, he said, because the price of carbon is going to go through the roof and that everyone involved in it is going to make a lot of money, even if, as they're uh, pivoting away from fossil fuels. This is the type of uh, thinking that uh, you're perhaps working against. Absolutely. Yeah, I do feel it's like it's the last cash grab before the ship sinks, basically. 
So people are, I, I feel, are just raiding the coffers until there's nothing left. And then they're, okay, we're all done. Shut shop. Mm. We've had some uh, big headlines, you know. Um, Christian Jewell, who's the global uh, CEO of uh, Group M, has uh, openly stated that they have a policy of ensuring that the media owners that they buy media from um, get to uh, zero net emissions or net zero emissions uh, so that they'll be able to trade with them. Uh, what do you think of innovations like that where they're pushing down on their supply chain? Well, I think it's just, it, it can be, there's a lot of good intent in some of this stuff and a lot of it is just a story, I feel. Uh, really, it's pushing numbers around on a balance sheet when we need a systemic change, you know. The advertising industry itself it really needs to have a, a self-reflection I don't think it's ready for because the climate crisis is one thing and we can make it, we can simplify it down to re reducing emissions and it all being about CO2. But really this is a problem of, this is the child of capitalism. It's, and the earth cannot sustain it. And nobody really wants to have that uncomfortable uncomfortable conversation yet. And when we get to that point, it's going to be too late. It kind of is too late in a lot of respects. So there's a lot of delay tactics coming in when we're talking about supply chain and all of that kind of stuff. That stuff is very important, but the scale of this is much bigger than that as well. Yeah, I'm not sure... Matt, that it's just capitalism, I, you know, because actually, you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, heartened by the fact that when capital and investment is put to solving the problem, as we've seen, um, you know, that sudden investments in all sorts of things, pump hydro, uh, you know, renewable energy sources, it's amazing how quickly that investment, one, reduces costs and therefore increases uptake. So I think the actual capital system, if it's properly focused, it does a great job. I think uh, you're up against something much tougher, which is the status quo, you know, that human beings invariably don't like change. And even in the face of catastrophic climate change, catastrophic climate crisis, that they're inclined to stick with what they know and that that's probably an ideal place for, for creative communications to, to work because... Isn't it one of the key things that uh, Creative Comms does is gets people to embrace change when they see a benefit for themselves? Absolutely. No, you are you are correct in that respect. People do want uh, to know that where they stand is safe, you know. So, and the communications challenge is to show that it's a, it's a difficult transition, but out the other side. There's a lot of benefits, you know, and so it's it's breaking down those walls that is quite a big communications challenge when the whole industry itself is trying to keep people to thinking that the status quo is actually fine. Uh, that and when you've got a lot of money communicating that, uh, 
that's quite a big challenge when you're an under-resourced, small, like fractured community of organizations that are trying to change that conversation and you don't have the money to push out that media spend to, to get that message out there. It is a challenge. And, and I think with the growth of these groups, Comms Declare, Clean Creatives, uh, Creatives for Climate, as they scale up and get more and more creatives to, to join in that conversation, uh, that's, we've got to scale that up fast, but it's really at, um, it's at a time when we're really running short to get that conversation started like quickly enough to, to be effective. I remember um, when we first met, you uh, were very keen on the, uh, the world clock that was counting down the, uh, the, the change before it was irretrievable. Have you had a recent update? How, how long have we got? Uh, the last time I looked, so the, the carbon clock basically is run by some scientists out of Germany and is based on IPCC reports saying when the time, the approximate time when 1.5 degrees is no longer achievable to have it locked in under 1.5 degrees, uh, taking into account that that's not the actual time, there's always lag with, with climate and all of that kind of stuff, but we've at the moment, it's at about seven years and two months. I imagine at the next adjustment, that's going to come down uh, because emissions just keep going up. For all the talk about all the effort that's going on to reduce them, they keep going up? Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, money rules. There's still a lot of money floating around. They're de digging it up. And clearly there's a, a lot of people spinning the story that uh, even even the government has been accused of greenwashing with their uh, advertising campaigns prior to, uh, to the election that they were um, trying to make it look like they were, we were in better shape than we actually are. Totally. Yeah, the uh, positive energy campaign out of the government uh, really, and we fact-checked it, it was quite misleading. We complained about it and we found uh, that really the governing bodies that would rule on these types of advertising really don't have any teeth either. So we were unsuccessful getting that uh, campaign corrected or taken down. So, you know, the, the, the fingers of the, of the industry, fossil fuel industry are everywhere. So it, it's quite a task to try and shift that conversation. Yeah, when you think about traditional advertising, it's the space between the editorial, but even the editorial has been quite uh, fossil fuel friendly, hasn't it? Absolutely. And we we all know who owns owns that part of the market. And uh, they're doing a number on, on, uh, on their electioneering as well. So interesting times to see what, what happens from, from this election coming up very shortly. So if there are people out there that are interested in participating in this, uh, in, in Comms Declare, what's the process? What, do, what type of people uh, do you welcome and what do they need to do to be part of the organisation? Well, for Comms Declare at our core, and that's where we started uh, when Belinda launched it, Belinda and Kelly, the other founder, original founder, launched it 
uh, in early 2020 is to declare for the climate. So you go to commsdeclare.org and you would declare that you will not work with fossil fuel clients. Uh, from there, you can then join a community of people that really are working uh, with with purpose, with clients that have uh, are more beneficial beneficial to society as a whole. So you'll find that there's a, they're a nice bunch. You know, you're you're in a community of of good people that understand the gravity of what your communications are doing. So feel that we should do it to make the world better rather than go down the gurgler. Yeah, exactly. And um, so apart from comms declare, what other activities are, are going on? You know, what are, you, what, what are some of the things that you're up to at the moment? It's been an exciting period of growth for Art Disrupt, which has been very good. Uh, for a couple of years there, uh, I had some failed launches of projects. I was just kind of enthusiastic and a little bit naive as, as to the activity I was doing. But now, over the time of connecting with, networking with people, I have managed to start to get myself a good platform. We are, we are hosting a month-long exhibition next month in a gallery in St Kilda. That will focus on environmental art, uh, and we will have be having workshops there to basically try and engage our local community in the climate conversation. I feel that I have pivoted art disrupt a little bit to where I'm more focused on local rather than trying to have those ideas that go out into the world and and, and build me a platform outside of you know on the internet. And community action is really where I'm finding that I'm meeting a lot of lovely people. Community resilience is part of my focus now. So this exhibition will be trying to connect with people in the community. Help us all as a as in our local area find out how we can become more resilient to climate catastrophes. We've seen in Australia often floods, fires, all sorts of devastation. Pestilence. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so we need our communities to, to, to be prepared because when a catastrophe happens and you're not prepared and you're looking to the government and they're not giving you, you're not really sending resources your way, well, that's the, we, need, we need to be, you know, preventative rather than triage yeah and matt in that community yeah, that you're building you know the, these groups that you you're finding yourself being part of is there um, also people looking to perhaps create new products new opportunities that are also very much uh, environmentally focused because I imagine that this is also a fantastic time for you know innovation as well Yes, yes, and there's so much innovation in this space. So all of us basically are trying to find those ways to sustain the, our communications and efforts but not rely on having to find grants and all of, of that kind of stuff to, to keep things going. There's a lot of innovation. I'm trying to see where I can land 
and get opportunities to take advantage of innovative products out there that are coming through, innovative ways of looking at community and, and kind of reshaping communities. So much innovation out there, it's just quite uh, underfunded, but the money is starting to come through and that's going to be key to be able to help that conversation stay with the energy required without worrying too much about paying the bills at the same time. Uh, so I'm looking for that balance as well. But there's, yes, a lot of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, there's definitely, there feels like we've re you know, we reached a tipping point. Perhaps it was the pandemic. It could be, as you said, the, the, the consequences of, of the, uh, the climate crisis, you know, the bushfires, the floods that we've been through. But uh, when you look at all the surveys, you know, it's a phenomenal number of Australians are demanding action, aren't they? Absolutely. And for the most part, it's been ignored by, by federal government. State governments seem to, uh, you know, are doing some good things. And councils are doing very good things. So the will is there. And it's whether, uh, you know, the right leadership comes into play. But very consistently now uh, and that's this has changed rather rapidly uh yeah when you hit 70 percent of people saying climate is is a priority that's good good to know I, I think the challenge is that the communications around it still don't give people the the hope that it can be addressed and that's that's why uh agencies can be a big part of that like we basically steer the conversation. And for the most part, currently it's still being steered in the direction where you can still make a lot of money. They're not steering it in a direction where like, we know where we need to get to, how do we get there? That conversation isn't being promoted enough. I don't know. Um, you know, uh, uh, EVs seem to be uh, an area that people are planning to make a lot of money in the future, electric vehicles. You know, I'm not sure if it's a choice between making money or not making money. It's just whether you want to have a planet to uh, be able to enjoy your money after you've made it all, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be quite confronting when the reality sinks in as to how much your money's not going to go when the planet's on fire. <laughs> you might be using the money to stoke it. Um, you just, uh, you reminded me when you said local government, because I remember reading a press release, I think it was from Comms Declare, uh, Yarra Council have actually banned fossil fuel ads in Yarra Council down in Melbourne. Yes, uh, it's basically part of, we are planning a new campaign and, and it's kind of launched a bit early because Yarra Council was very keen to, to hit the ground running and they submitted a motion to their council and they're, they're investigating banning fossil ads on their property. So it's a great win and, and that's kind of a little bit of a teaser of our next campaign, the fossil ad ban campaign. And it's really good to see. I think it's a pivot for Comms Declare where we've been looking to have conversations with within our industry to now where we're looking to make the changes necessary to kind of lead the conversation rather than being 
on the wrong side of the table. So Yarra Council, hat, hat tip to them. They've, they've done really great to get, to embrace what we are, have been talking to them about. Well, they have always been socially progressive. I think no matter what issue you want to uh, choose, they're usually always early adopters. You know, often, uh, often years before uh, many other count, more conservative councils. So, you know, it's always a good starting point to be at, with the early adopters. Absolutely, and and the thing that pushed us to start uh, getting our assets and our house in order before the campaign was to launch uh, was that the Herald Sun tried to put a hit piece on that announcement pre the announcement because they really. They got wind of this thing, of this uh, this council meeting, and then tried to already put out negative, like opinion pieces about it. So there's uh yeah, the walls have ears. Exactly. Now, one of the things, uh, Matt, I've really enjoyed about this conversation is it keeps reminding me of uh, Spider Man and the uh, Peter Parker principle. You know that idea that with great power comes great responsibility. Has this whole experience and, and you continue work in this space, has it reinforced for you the, the power of creative ideas in communications? Absolutely. For my 15 odd years working in advertising, it was a job I could do and, I, and we you know, you move product and that I was just part of a cog in that machine. But when I started to get into this space, it was like you really started to look from the outside in to, to see how much we actually guide people's opinions of, of, of everything. And I mean, that's our job. Uh, but that responsibility started to really uh, set in and made me really, really kind of, reflect on my participation in advertising and how I needed to change it. But then also the responsibility of being one of the creatives that seems to have starting to build quite a voice in this space. It's like, I kind of don't want that responsibility either. (laughs) (laughs) I come on with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, But uh, yeah, it must be that if there are creatives out there that are feeling, uh, let's say, a little jaded by just, uh, you know, coming up with uh, creative ideas to just move more product. This uh, must be a great opportunity. Are you looking uh, for creative talent to come and collaborate inside Comms Declare? Or as creative director, are you one of those old school creative directors that keep the best briefs for yourself? (laughs) I I, I would... With my work with uh, Creators for Climate, it's very much open door. Who wants to work together? Who wants to solve some of these really challenging communication issues when you're underfunded and that kind of stuff? And you do really have very open access to do whatever you like. It's a fun place to work as a creative because you don't have any... KPIs or, or a, a client saying we need to have, you know, we need to re- reach these goals. It's like you can experiment, you can iterate, and you can do things on the fly. You don't have to have everything 100% perfect because you need to be 
constantly feeling out how how the best way to message uh, works. And so, I'd love to pass the torch. Really, you know, I'd love to have access to more people that I can work with. Uh, for the for the longest time, for the first year of Comms Declare, I was the only creative working with uh, working on the brand, and working in isolation doesn't you know foster great ideas you'll get so far when you don't have a good team to bounce off you don't get the really the gold ideas out of out of that kind of scenario so now that i can work with other creatives um i'm definitely a creative director that wants the best idea not my idea that's good to hear, Matt. Look, Matt, uh, time's got away from us. It's been fantastic being able to have this chat. Uh, love watching what you're doing with Comms Declare and uh, uh, Clean Creatives. And what was the other one? Creators for Climate. Creators for Climate. Lots of C's there. <laughs> C, 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 C. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, just uh, one last question before you go. Uh, if you're going to point the finger... Which agency do you think is really pushing the boundaries as far as greenwashing goes? 